This week's episode of Carson Sack Podcast is brought to you by Dad's Favorites Deli. Dad's Deli menu includes many unique sandwiches as well as Dad's take on some good old classics. They feature a daily sandwich special, combos with chips and drink, delicious homemade soups, sweeter unsweet iced tea which is brewed fresh daily, and fresh baked cookies. They offer a rewards card program which gives you a free sandwich combo after 10 purchases which has become a fan favorite. Enjoy Dad's Favorites Deli. Now hit that ish. Sorry, I knew you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Uh, <laughs> how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that man. Alright listeners, what is up? Welcome to the 48th edition of Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. We have a good show for you this week. Wow, a lot happened in the NFL. Championship Sunday did not disappoint. Two of the best games in years. Probably one of, if not the best, championship Sundays in all of NFL history. A lot to unpack there. We have a few questions in the mail sack. We have my sports movie review that I told you I would be doing. We have Game Ball of the Week, which is a new segment that we got going. And then we are going to talk a little bit NBA, maybe a little college basketball. There's one big game Saturday that we can talk about. And then, uh, like I said, that we're going to do last week, um, introducing the whole new segment idea of talking a little WWE. So that's going to come at the very, very, very end. So sit back, relax, and welcome to episode 48 of Carson Sat Podcast, where we talk balls. You know the tagline, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, need to get this out of the way. One, want to thank you all for tuning in and listening to this podcast. I truly do appreciate it to help continue to grow the podcast, grow the brand, everything like that. Please like, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, show a friend, show a family member, anything like that. Anything helps. It is all appreciated. So let's dive right in. Let's open up the mail sack here on Carson Sack Podcast. Okay, the first question comes from us all the way from Chicago. Um, from Kelly Fortin, who asked, why is Tom Brady so powerful? Um, because he probably made a deal with the devil. Um, he has sold his soul to the devil when he was drafted to the Patriots, and he, on draft night, he said, hey, uh, Mr. Devil, if I can become the greatest quarterback of all time, my soul is yours. And if you want to throw in a hot wife like Giselle, um, I'm not going to complain about that either. And the devil said, yep, you got it, Tom. Let's square this away. It's taken care of. Um, no, Tom Brady's the best because he works harder, I think, than anybody. And he has never once lost his competitive edge that made him what he is. 199th pick in the NFL draft, slided in the sixth round, out of Michigan, the quarterback. And 
I think since that day, he has probably worked as hard, if not harder, than everyone else in the NFL that has come and gone before him. Um, I know Peyton Manning, a huge, fantastic worker, huge grinder when it comes to film session and all that stuff. I'm not taking away anything from him or anybody else that has that reputation of being um, an extremely diligent, hardworking player, but I just think Tom Brady's work ethic is second to none and some of the best that sports has ever seen and I think that's probably why Tom Brady is so powerful and that and because I hear kissing your children on the lips um trans transfers power so he does that probably quite often um another question we have from Addy Miners um what is your opinion on the Ram Saints no pass interference call I don't understand how in the league where pass interference has been such a big issue that in such a big moment a call like this can really just go unmade another thing that is kind of crazy to me is that not only was it pass interference you could argue that it was maybe targeting and maybe helmet to helmet those two things have been at the forefront of so many people's minds uh, the past couple years with CTE becoming such a huge thing. And for the NFL officials to really just miss that call, I don't understand how. It's not like it was a bang-bang play, the ball got there at the same time, or anything like that. I don't understand how you miss a call like that. Um it's ridiculous. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the impact that that has when I recap the whole Ram-Saints game in a little bit, but the fact that they missed that call, just mind-blowing. Not only as a pass interference call, but as a targeting and something that an issue like targeting penalties have been and helmet-to-helmet penalties have been in the NFL. Um... I don't understand how a play like that uh, doesn't get flagged. Um, another question, last question we have um, from Trailer Coco is thoughts on the same Saran game. Um, thoughts on the game was it was a f- great, great game. Um, started out just how the Saints wanted it to, got the early lead, and then they blew it. And I was rooting for the Saints, really upset that that happened. They were really like the only team I had a rooting interest for like I was upset after they lost I'm not a Saints fan by any means but they got a lot of Buckeyes on it Michael Thomas is a really good young receiver in the NFL um, one of the best in the NFL at the receiving position so I was rooting for him rooting for the Saints and it just fell apart Um, I'm gonna flip it now and that is going to end the mail sack not a lot of questions this week but some good questions so thank you all for sending them in We now move on to this day in sports history. Um, The day is Wednesday, January 23rd. And in 1998, Michael Jordan scores in double figures for the 800th consecutive game in a 100-98 overtime win over New Jersey. He added 40 more double-figure scoring games to his NBA record before retiring in 1998. In the AFC Championship game in 2005, uh, the Pittsburgh and New England, the Patriots 
beat Pittsburgh 41-27. Um, let's see. In 2015, Golden State guard Klay Thompson scores the most NBA points in a quarter, 37, and most three-pointers in a quarter, nine in the Warriors, 126-101 win over the Sacramento Kings. And another interest piece in this day in history, in 1979, Willie Mays was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Now that brings me to the new segment um, for Game Ball of the Week. And that unequivocally to me goes to Mariano Rivera. Um, the Baseball Hall of Fame uh, elections were held today and the first ever unanimous vote was done for Mariano Rivera. And looking up all the stats and how crazy they were and everything, um, the one that struck me the most and just grabbed my attention, um, I literally was scrolling on Twitter and saw it and made a point that I had to tell my roommates, was more people have walked on the moon than have scored a run on Mariano Rivera in the postseason. And that is all you need to know about his dominance. Unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer. Congrats to him, to Mariano Rivera, on that incredible feat and an incredible career. You get a game ball. I feel like Oprah handing out all these game balls. You get a game ball. You get a game ball. Um, Another game ball that we need to give out is James Harden. He continues to ball out his... Uh, 30-point game streak has continued since uh, December that is still rolling. So game ball of the week goes to him as well. There is also game ball of the week that needs to go to Tom Brady because of his performance in the AFC Championship game and the Instagram video he posted afterwards, which sort of overshadowed his performance. Um, If you haven't seen it, I highly advise you to go out of your way to find it. It's him and Gronk, and it is fantastic. No words are said by either of them, but it is one of the coolest, uh, swaggiest, most cockiest things I can see, and I loved it. So those are my three game balls for this week. We are now going to get into conference championship games from the NFL this week and give you a breakdown of what happened in those and my opinions on what happened. All right, we are going to talk about the NFC championship game first in a fantastic game that went to overtime. Both games went to overtime, actually. The Los Angeles Rams won against the New Orleans Saints 26-23. Jared Goff went for 297 yards and a touchdown with an interception. C.J. Anderson outrushed uh, Todd Gurley for 44 yards. Leading receiver for the Rams was Brandon Cooks with 107 yards. Drew Brees for the Saints had 249 yards, two touchdowns, and the costly interception in overtime. On the ground, Mark Ingram was held in check for 31 yards, and Alvin Kamara was the best receiver for New Orleans with 11 receptions for 98 yards. I really enjoyed 
how Sean Payton got Alvin Kamara involved in the passing game. He is one of the best weapons uh, out of the backfield, running back-wise, that can catch the ball in the NFL, and Sean Payton highlighted that. That was great to see. That was great coaching. I really enjoyed seeing that. What bothered me in this game was how the Saints never really like got the dagger into the Rams like watching the game like I was watching and watching and you could see when they got down in the red zone their first couple possessions then they settled for field goals you're like okay things are still rolling they're just getting going like it's good they're getting points on the board whatever 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 and then they get up and they just could never put the Rams away fully and that came back and cost them completely um Jared Goff played extremely well. Uh, the Saints' defense all year has been under the bend and don't break mentality. I guess you could say very good at taking the ball away from opposing offenses. They did that in the game. But Jared Goff was able to maintain uh, calmness, stay relaxed, uh, keep within the game plan that McVay drew up, and... On the other side of the ball, the Rams defense rebounded extremely well, got pressure on Drew Brees in the second half. Dante Fowler, who they brought in from the Jaguars earlier this year, ended up causing pretty much the interception in overtime that led to the Rams winning with their field goal. What is something that needs to be talked about, I guess, a little bit more is the whole... People have been arguing now if overtime rules should change after this first weekend, the first, the weekend that was in the championship games. Um, Overtime rules, if you don't know what they are, how the hell are you listening to this podcast? But what they are, if the team that gets the ball first scores a touchdown, the game's over. If not, uh, the other team gets the ball and the next score wins unless the first team kicked a field goal, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, I don't have a problem with that. Like, I really don't. If you want to win the game, have your defense make a stop. It's as simple as that. Um, The argument on the other end is how could you not let, uh, like, Patrick Mahomes get the ball in overtime or how could you not let Drew Brees or all this stuff happen in overtime? And I understand that argument. If I was going to change the NFL overtime rules at all, my thing would be this. If you score a touchdown and you have the ball first in overtime, the other team then gets the ball as well. Each team gets possession. And if, say, you the first team kicks a field goal, okay, next team gets the ball, and then they score a touchdown, game's over. That's how it is now. What I'm saying is, given the chance that, say, the team first team scores a touchdown, the other team then kick off as well. Like, just keep playing. Don't just give them the ball at, like, 25 or anything like they do in college like that. Whatever. I'm saying, like, a kick the ball off, and the other team then gets a chance to match you're touching on as well. That's my only thing. And then after that, I guess you could say first score wins or um, first team to not score a touchdown wins, I, like loses, I guess. I don't know. But 
I'm fine with the overtime rules. I know people are really coming out and asking for a change, but I'm not really big into that right now. Um, let's see. Uh, this has been a total, like I said, shit show with how the no pass interference call was called. Um, Michael Thomas is asking for uh, talk with Roger Goodell and making references to pages in the rule book and there's petitions out there and all this stuff and fans are suing the NFL and fans want them to restart replay the game and all this other shit um no like as much as like I wanted the Saints to win I I wanted the Saints to win like pretty bad but your defense had a chance to stop them you couldn't put them away in the game They held you to two field goals in the beginning of the game that came back and cost you. Um, You turned the ball over late in the game with interceptions. Like, you had your chance, and you just couldn't capitalize. And it sucks to say, but that's black and white what happened. If you're a Saints fan these last two years with the Minnesota Miracle and then this with the NFL pretty much fucking you over with the refs like that's hard it's tough I understand I really do but for fans to be suing the NFL that there's not a chance in hell they win a lawsuit like that or anything like that like what the hell are you thinking um that's that on the NFC championship game I was just flabbergasted at the fact that there was this huge petition that had, when I first saw it, like over 300,000 signatures and lawsuits being against the NFL and all this stuff happening. Um, that's my take on that and the overtime rules and whatnot. We now shift our focus to the AFC excuse me, championship game where the Patriots once again win the AFC and are headed to the Super Bowl after a 37-31 victory against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Tom Brady was surgical for 348 yards and a touchdown. Did throw two interceptions, though. Should have been three, maybe, if D. Ford knew how to line up on sides. Sony Michelle had two touchdowns and 113 reception yards. Julian Edelman had 96 receiving yards. Patrick Mahomes... Played extremely well for the stage and what was given to him. 295 yards and three touchdowns. Um, Williams, the running back for Kansas City, had three touchdowns in the game. Uh, Two receiving, one rushing touchdown. Uh, Sammy Watkins stepped up big with the Patriots taking away Tyreek Hill. He only had four receptions, but they were for 114 yards. Um, Belichick and the Patriots did a masterful job of taking away the two biggest offensive weapons for Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey um, had somewhere in the 30, like 37 yard range uh, for how many receiving yards he had. Tyreek Hill had one catch, nothing spectacular at all. Um, the first play. The first series, excuse me, for the Patriots took up six minutes and f- seven minutes, pretty much six minutes and fifty-five seconds, and was capped off by a Sony Michelle touchdown run. Um, Hume- oh no, excuse me, that's when the play happened. Um, do the math on how much time that took up, but ridiculous amount. Um, 14-0 going into halftime. The Patriots imposed their will the entire first half, and then the Chiefs started making a game of it. Um, outscored. 
the Patriots 24-14 in the fourth quarter to get the game tied. And then the Patriots um, score first in overtime. Again, the whole issue of not in overtime, not having the chance for Patrick Mahomes to get the ball, make a stop defensively, and that's taken care of. Um, There were some issues in the game, like the D Ford offsides call, that if that play... If he wasn't offsides, the play would have resulted in interception and the game would have been over, but we know that didn't happen. Um, another thing to look at is now that we are going to have to suffer through if there's only, like, if there's more than 30 seconds on the clock and the Chiefs have a timeout, there's too much time left on the clock for Patrick Mahomes because he got a game-tying field goal. Uh, with like 39 seconds left in regulation. So what you also need to look at this year um, with Patrick Mahomes is his four worst games and four losses have all all been his coldest games where he has played like the weather is cold. Um, the weather was supposed to be a way bigger factor than it actually was. Um it just wasn't wasn't as cold as people thought it was going to be. It was still fucking freezing, way below 32, but just not as big as a factor as what people previously stated. Um, Andy Reid didn't like do any Andy Reid-esque things with managing time or timeouts or anything like that late in the game. Um, I don't think he was... Yeah, he was sort of outcoached by Belichick because Belichick's... Uh, system worked better in the first half and everything, but I, the when I say he was out coached by Belichick, that sounds a lot worse than what it was. He made good coaching decisions and everything like that. Um, I hate to bring it up, but you wonder maybe how much of a different game this is if the Chiefs still have Kareem Hunt. Um, in no way am I trying to like justify what he did or anything like that. Just saying, like maybe it would have been a totally different game. Um, it's just ridiculous what Tom Brady and the Patriots have done. Um, to be as good as he has been and they have been for so long, it is ridiculous to me. And uh, I've gone through stages as a Tom Brady fan where I've like, I hated him. I really hated him. I was like, okay, like he's good. Like, okay. And then now it's just flat out like, I think I like Tom Brady, and it sucks for me to say that, but I just think I do. Um, That is going to wrap up the coverage I have for the championship games um, this past week in the NFL. I'm not going to do a Super Bowl prediction or anything this week. That is going to be on next week, 49th edition of Carson Sack Podcast, and then the 50th episode of Carson Sack Podcast will be the recap and everything of that of the Super Bowl so make sure you keep your eyes and ears peeled for both of those so next week is when I will have my breakdown and predictions for the Super Bowl all right we move on and one of the new things I wanted to do was new segment for y'all was 
watch a sports-related movie, documentary, series, or something, and break it down and review it for you. Um, it's across all platforms on anything, so this is what I wanted to do, just a new segment that I could do. And so the first movie that we watched, that I watched, and I'm going to be reviewing for you, is more than a game, the basketball documentary on LeBron James and the Fab Five from Akron, Ohio, St. Vincent, St. Mary. The way I broke it down was pretty much I'm going to rate the movie on a scale of 1 to 10 on how well they covered the topic, pics and videos because those make things go, um, interviews and who they got to interview, like if you're talking about an issue and you can't interview somebody that's related to it, just not really that great. And then would I recommend it for you all to watch? So how well they covered the issue? Um, extremely well. They had access to just about everything that these guys did. Um, they went and they broke down each player of the Fab Five's individual background and history i enjoyed how they didn't immediately start with lebron james they started with uh little drew and gave his background and then Sion cottons and how he was more of a football player and sort of doing basketball on the side and then romeo when he came in they covered him then they talked about lebron and all these other guys that were part of the team they went and covered them um Another thing that they did that I really liked on how well they covered it was they talked about them in AAU days, and that was really big to me to see how um, they really did grow up together. Um, they're not just guys that they met in high school, all the stuff they played for four years, and they're like, all right, whatever, we're about. They literally since like sixth and seventh and eighth grade were with each other, and I know that's only like three extra years, but still, like. I'm still like friends with guys that I've known since sixth grade and it's ridiculous how well these guys have remained friends and stuff and really just enjoyed how well they showed the progression of their friendships and everything like that in this. Um, so I give that like a 10. So one out of 10, how well they covered it? I give that a 10. Uh, picks and videos, I also will give that a 10. They, I don't know how they found all this stuff, but referencing back to playing with AAU days, they had home videos, all that stuff. For the basketball games, they had ESPN videos, all these other videos, uh, pictures of LeBron growing up, all the kids growing up, things like that. Um, VCR home video stuff of them on road trips um, in hotels and each other's houses and everything, just giving you a glimpse into what these guys were like when they were younger and the bond and chemistry they had. Ridiculous. That off the charts to me for what they had um, video-wise. I give that a 10 as well. The interviews... Um, Pretty genuine, pretty good. They had everybody that was involved with it on the team with an interview. They also had the head coaches, and they had prominent people in sports like Brian Windhorst um, and a bunch of other guys in media talking about stuff and like that. I'm only going to give this a 9. I know, like, why not give it a 10? You're already there. But, like, I wish we could have gotten maybe all of them together and talked and that would have been cool to me that's my only gripe is they don't show these guys together now um they do show what everybody's up to in their lives and what they're doing but they're not ever together 
um, when they're adults in real life. And I know that's difficult um, doing that, but still, I would have liked to seen it. Um, would I recommend it on a scale of 1 to 10? Yes, 100%, 10%. I recommend this movie completely. Whether you're a LeBron James fan or not, um, the way they dive into things and talk about all of these guys, The only one of my only gripes is... The way they cover each season in their high school career, um, it goes by so fast and it makes it seem like these guys were like super unbeatable and all these other things like they were extremely good, but you really only see like the huge big games like against uh, Damatha and um, who else? Oh, Oak Hill and stuff like that. And like, yeah, no, like obviously those need to be talked about. They're huge games. But there were also games that they had and they played, like the one without LeBron, and they barely squeaked by. That was cool to see. But normally all you really saw was one or two big games from the regular season in the season and then the state championship game or the national title game uh, their junior year. And, like, I understand why, like, time constraints, everything like that. But I would have liked to see maybe some more um, like individual game coverage a little bit. But that's really, like, my only gripe with that at all um a hundred percent recommend more than game if you are a basketball fan or sports fan if you don't like lebron james i think this might change your opinion on him a little bit um or it might continue to turn off because it does go into a lot of the attention that he got as a young nba star not a young nba star a young high school star and how He's really kind of been thought of as one of the best players in the world of basketball since he was so young. It does show a little bit of him in the NBA and the closing credits and stuff. So there is, it has its positives to why it could make you like LeBron. It has its positives to why you can be like, wow, I still hate LeBron. But besides that, um, incredible story. These guys going to St. Vincent St. Mary together um, and just becoming one of, if not the, not, not the best, but one of the best four-year runs in high school basketball history done by these five guys. So again, would I recommend it on a scale of one to 10? Yes, 100%. I give it a 10. Overall, I give it a, I give it a 9.75, only missing it the perfect score by 0.25. I don't know what is going to get the perfect score, but I know I, like you might be like, oh, you gave it a 9 on this one bullshit thing, but that's just how I feel about it. If you don't like it, review your own fucking movies and whatever. I don't care. Um, 9.75 for more than a game. You can find that documentary on Hulu. Um, can't use my Hulu login because it's not even mine. It's one of my roommates, but shout out to Andrew Crumb for making that happen. But... Go out of your way if you can. I had fun little tidbit, and I'll shorten this. This will be the closing of this uh, segment. Um, my mom bought me this DVD for this when it came out, and uh, we were going to Orlando. We were flying, and I had my laptop, and I was watching it on the plane, and my computer died. I was so upset. When it happened, I was like, God, I can't finish this movie. Like, what the hell am I doing? Um, luckily, brought my charger, though. Got to watch it on the way back. It was, again, just a little tidbit to end this. 
Go see more than a game if you haven't already. 9.75 out of 10. As I mentioned earlier, we are going to now talk a little bit of college basketball. A lot of good games tonight. Well, last night, if you're listening to this podcast on Wednesday, South Carolina beat 16-ranked Auburn after Kentucky went to Auburn this past Saturday and got a hard-fought win. Michigan and former Kentucky signee Charles Matthews, who hit the game winner, eked by Minnesota 59-57. Kentucky um, just ran circles around Mississippi State. Uh, Kentucky 8th in the country, Mississippi State 22nd in the country. Villanova went to Butler, and Villanova's back. um, Stumbled out of the gate early after they got their ass beat by Michigan and a couple other teams, but my goodness, I'm... Extremely high on the Wildcats from Villanova. Texas Tech has been struggling recently. They lost uh, by 13 tonight to Kansas State. Uh, Texas Tech was only able, excuse me, to put up 45 points in this game. Pretty embarrassing, honestly. Uh, Duke, without uh, Ty Jones, put up 79 points and beat Pittsburgh. Ole Miss, who was getting a lot of steam, a lot of press lately, who just recently ranked 20th in the country, went to Alabama and lost by 21 points, 74-53. to 53. Virginia rebounded after their loss against Duke at Duke with a 68-50, to 50, 68-45, excuse me, win. Uh, we continue now looking at some games this coming week. Let's see. We have got Ohio State and Purdue tomorrow. That's just me being a homer talking about Ohio State basketball. That really hasn't been good. Lost four games in a row. Um, Nothing really to see there. Hopefully Ohio State can get their shit together. If you can go out of your way to see uh, Carson Edwards play, I think he is the best player in the Big Ten, hands down. If you have nothing to do tomorrow at 7 o'clock on Wednesday, Big Ten Network, tune that in. Um, the newly ranked number one Tennessee Volunteers go to Vanderbilt. Um, the last time they were ranked number one, the first game they had after that, they played Vanderbilt and they lost, so maybe that's a little uh, foreshadowing. Houston, who has been sneakily good at 18-1 and tomorrow, plays East Carolina. East Carolina is not good, but that's just a marquee game to me just because you can get your eyes on Houston, who has been – very good all year, especially on the defensive uh, side of the ball. Corey Davis Jr. for Houston, uh, their leading scorer with 15 points a game. Just he's a good player. Houston's a good team. They haven't played a lot of good teams, but and I know East Carolina is not really a good quote unquote good team, but it's a good game for you to familiarize yourself with Houston, who is gonna be probably in the top 25 rankings for the rest of the year. On Thursday, you have Michigan State going to Iowa. Michigan State has looked head and shoulders above and beyond better than what they looked like earlier in the year, going to Louisville and and losing that game. Um, Tom Izzo has got them playing extremely well. Speaking of Louisville, they are now back in the top 25. They host North Carolina State, who has been on a bit of a slide recently. Um, on Thursday night at 8 p.m. I'm going to take Louisville in that one. On Friday, you have Michigan going to Indiana. I think Michigan comes out in that one and uh, sort of reasserts its dominance in the Big Ten and says, yeah, we're pretty fucking good. Like, check us out. On Saturday, there's the Big 12 SEC Challenge. 
not really many good games in that. They keep trying to sell us on um, the Iowa State and Ole Miss game, but both those teams just lost earlier this week. Iowa State losing to Kansas and Texas Tech, uh, and excuse me, Ole Miss losing to uh, um, who the fuck they lose to Alabama. So. That's the other game they're trying to sell you on besides the Kansas-Kentucky game. Um, as a Kentucky fan, nothing Kansas does really scares me. Um, you know they're always going to be a solid team, but I think if Kentucky comes out and plays well and does what they're supposed to do, I think it's about a seven-point game. Uh, me and my roommate were talking, I think. We both think it's a lot like the North Carolina game where um, we're up. We control the game. It gets close at times, but we go on a nice little run to extend our lead a little bit. And I think it being at Rupp is going to help us an extremely huge amount. On Saturday, you also have Syracuse going to Virginia Tech. I think Syracuse wins that. I think their zone really gives them trouble. And then Virginia going to Notre Dame. That's going to be a huge game for Notre Dame. They're going to need that real bad. That's going to be a close game, but I think Virginia pulls away in that one. And then Sunday, you have Michigan State at Purdue. Go out of your way to see that one. Um, That is college basketball so far. Things are sort of starting to take shape um, in college basketball. The top teams, pretty much, Duke, Virginia, Tennessee, Michigan, all these guys that were we sort of pegged as contenders at the start of the year, still looking like contenders, so we're going to keep an eye on that here on Carson Sack for the rest of the year. Uh, college basketball is shaping up to be a hell of a finish for this year, and it's only January. All right, I know I said I'd talk a little NBA, so here is that. The Memphis Grizzlies have made Michael Conley and Marcus Gasol open to trade. Uh, they will now listen to trade offers for them. They Both those guys have been off the table in trade talks for years with the Grizzlies. Mike Conley is one of the highest paid uh, point guards in the league and is extremely underrated as a point guard. Uh, Marcus Gasol used to be one of the best centers in the league, sort of on the downcline a little bit. Teams could definitely go out and get them. Uh, maybe teams like... I, not the Lakers. I want to say the Lakers, but we'll talk about them in a second. Uh, maybe the Blazers go out and make a play for Marcus Saul. Maybe the Pelicans, who have some room, go out and get Mike Conley to bolster their guard play. Teams that are in the playoff hunt, like the Heat, could always be a player with Pat Riley and the assets they have. Um, just something for them. Another big news is Carmelo Anthony was traded to the Bulls from the Rockets. He will not play a game with the Bulls. They're going to release him, so he'll be a free agent after this. A lot of people are pegging him to go to the Lakers. Yeah, like it makes sense friend-wise. Like LeBron would bring in Carmelo because he's his friend, but player-wise, they don't have anybody that they could really get rid of and cut. The only person they could is Michael Beasley and... I know it's a business, but his mother just recently passed away, and he's been playing extremely well, so I don't think, I don't extremely, he's been playing good with the minutes he's been given with all the injuries that have happened with the Lakers, uh, like Lonzo Ball, who's now going to be out a few weeks, LeBron 
due to make his return sooner rather than later. So that's a good thing that the Lakers needed. But again, Carmelo to the Lakers just doesn't make a lot of sense right now. This year, maybe at the end of the year, but who knows. Um, Some other things, James Harden is still thought of as the perennial MVP favorite. Um, He's been boasted up to um, like minus 125, I think, MVP odds. Uh, Giannis was back up to plus 300. If you're looking for a quality um, bet, just throw like 10, 20 bucks on Giannis plus 300 because I don't think James Harden is going to be able to sustain this crazy good run he's had, and it's a long season, and Giannis uh, balled out extremely well at the start of the year, so if he can return to form a little bit, it's not like he's falling off or anything. He's still putting up great numbers, MVP-type numbers. Um if Giannis can come on and finish wrong and get his name back in people's minds, um, without a doubt, that plus three hundred odds for Giannis looks real damn appetizing. But I don't, I don't gamble. I don't, I don't. It's just there if you want to do it. All right, that covers sports. So now we are going to talk about sports entertainment with WWE talk. If you don't want to listen to the rest of this podcast. Thanks for listening. Turn it off now because we're talking a little WWE. Uh, The Royal Rumble, probably the second or third biggest pay-per-view of the year. In my opinion, it's the second biggest right behind WrestleMania is on Sunday. It is the first leg on the road to WrestleMania. And I'm just going to go through and predict what I think is going to happen and who is going to win the games. Uh, Not the games, the matches. This Sunday, the first match on the card is the Raw Women's Championship match between Sasha Banks and Ronda Rousey. Um, It's just not time for Ronda Rousey to lose. Um, It'll probably be a very aggressive, hard-hitting match, but I just don't think it's time for Ronda Rousey to lose. Um, The SmackDown Women's Championship match, you have Becky Lynch versus Asuka. I think Asuka wins and Becky enters the women's battle royal, royal rumble, excuse me, later on in the match. In the in the night, holy shit! On um, the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match, you have the Bar versus Shane McMahon and the Miz. I'm going to take Shane McMahon and the Miz, just the way that WWE has been building them up and everything, and the way the fans have reacted and stuff. I think that's what they're gonna do. Um, I really don't want to see a Shane versus Miz match at WrestleMania, but maybe that's what they're going for. Maybe Shane or the Miz turns on one of them. I probably. The Miz turns on Shane. I no idea, but for some reason, I just think WWE is poised for Shane and Miz to win. Um, the women's Royal Rumble match, I definitely think Becky Lynch is going to win. The way the fans and crowd have reacted to her um, and her losing in earlier in the night against Asuka and coming out and winning would be a huge pop and a huge reaction. And I don't think... You could do Charlotte could win and have her face Ronda. I think what they're going to do is probably have the triple threat of Ronda, Becky, and Charlotte be at WrestleMania. So that's just, I think one of those two is definitely the clear, obvious favorite to get the vehicle to go to that match at um, WrestleMania. The United States Championship match, you have Rusev versus Shinsei Nakamura. I think Rusev is going to win. There's no reason to take the United States Championship off him. The WWE Championship match, you have Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles. Uh, Daniel Bryan is going to win this. I just think there's no real reason for him to lose it. Now is not the right time. Maybe at WrestleMania to a new guy, but just certainly not right now. Um, 
in the Universal Championship match, you have Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar. As much as I want Finn Balor to win, uh, Brock Lesnar is probably going to win. Um, I hope Finn Balor comes out as the demon gimmick, so my roommate who says there's nothing special about Finn Balor can eat his words, but it's going to be a good match. Brock works better with smaller guys. I don't know why. Um, again, like I said last week, it'll be interesting to see how they lay out this match. If they're going to go the Daniel Bryan route where Brock kicks the shit out of him and then there's Finn's comeback. Or Finn comes out hot, gets on top of him, starts out strong, and then Brock makes his comeback. Um, a lot of different ways they could go about it but in the end I think Brock Lesnar wins a lot of people have been comparing this Brock Lesnar match against Finn to the Eddie Guerrero no way out match that he had against Brock and Eddie Guerrero won that I don't know but if you're not like there's no real plans for Brock Lesnar um for Wrestlemania so just the way they've done stuff in the past, if they're not going to have Braun Strowman beat him, I don't think they're going to have Finn Balor beat him. Um, the Men's Royal Rumble, this is wide open. Um, a lot of people think Seth Rollins is going to win. I'm fine with that. I really don't have an idea of who else they could really do. Uh, maybe Drew McIntyre, but he has been rumored to have a match against John Cena. At WrestleMania, I'd be fine with John Cena winning and beating somebody at WrestleMania and winning the world, not the world record, but the record uh, time breaking Ric Flair's 16 uh, world heavyweight champion record and getting his own on 17. So if I had a, if I was gonna like bet or anything on this, I'd probably say Seth Rollins or John Cena end up winning. I have avoided. So far, like any spoilers and anything on the internet, because the stuff is predetermined. It's scripted. It's not fake. It's scripted. Um, before, so again, if you have any interest at all, this is one of the more fun pay per views to watch all year because of the Royal Rumbles. Um, there's drinking games that you can look up and do. I'm going to be doing that Sunday. Um, I'll recap my thoughts about what happened at the Royal Rumble and everything this coming Wednesday, next week, the 30th, for Carson Sack Podcast. So that does it for the 48th edition of Carson Sack Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in and listening. I appreciate you all more than you will ever know. And as we always end here on Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls, we will be seeing you.